Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined, as always, by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you? I am doing great. Excited. We got a really cool guest lined up today, so I'm excited to talk about that. And uh, a crazy news cycle this week, so that'll be a fun one. <laughs> there is some some wacky stuff going on this week. And Daniel, are you ready for that? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm still kind of just sitting here thinking about how you said... As always, sometimes Don is not here. Well, you know what's funny? I was thinking as I was saying that, that like if someone's just scrubbing through trying to find a specific episode, yeah. I'd just say the same like 15 seconds at the True. beginning for each. Because you're a lying one. piece of crap. Well, that, no, as always. <laughs> there, there was a time where Don was skipping out on us a little he, bit. But he he's was. Been, you he know, was. like limited COVID travel has helped yeah, keep, that's uh, true. keep yeah. Don restrained. Yeah, nowhere here. to go. Plus, we chained him to the radiator over there. Yeah, yeah no, there is he, that. Yeah. yeah, he's there all week. I haven't showered in months. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That's that why that I'm on this side of the room. You got to get that wound cleaned. Social distancing is more about just staying away from Don at this point. And we are also joined by Ferdinand Soto, who is a security systems engineer at cisco how are you doing today i am doing fantastic thank you for having me today yeah and it, it looks like you're like in the like the bridge of the the starship enterprise or something that are is that like a, a studio or do you like do podcasting and stuff too I, I do not actually i do this for my customers i just like having good video and good sound so that they can hear and and, and understand what i'm trying to to share that's Typically awesome. helpful in, in the yeah. sales process. I, I like that, like a tall chair behind you though. Just also always makes you look like a like a super villain or, or like a, some sort of. Uh, not, not the case. Usually, when you see this vial, you know that I'm not a villain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you give it away right when you. Open he needs mouth. an all white Persian cat. You know, we go. <laughs> no, he he should have started backwards yes, and turned and around. Oh, see, that was a, we'll work on that. That'll who, be next who was time. The, uh, <laughs> who's the guy in Inspector Gadget that you know? Doctor Claw. Yeah. Doctor Claw. Yeah, yeah, that's who I'm thinking. Well, this is what happens when he turns around. He's a he's a really nice guy. <laughs> no Cisco like the back of his hand. Really nice guy. Well, uh, cold steel hand. He knows Cisco, but we would like to get to know Ferdinand a little bit more in our first segment, which is rapid fire questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Vernon, and in this segment, we're going to do our rapid-fire questions. We're going to throw questions at you. You will have approximately one minute to answer them. If you go over a minute, Peter will buzz you <laughs> like that, and uh, there will more than likely be a timer on the screen counting down those minutes so you can keep an eye on it, and we'll rapid-fire right through each one of them, and we'll rotate between all of us for our questions. Our first one coming at you from Peter. All right, so normally this is the part where I'd say, so tell me, what, what does this Cisco do? But I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a pretty good idea. So let's talk more about your role specifically. So what is the day-to-day -day role of a security systems engineer? Uh, sure, sure, that, that's a great question. Uh, so Cisco, I'm a technical solutions uh, specialist, and I am responsible for assessing the security posture of our customers. The way I do that is by you know meeting with them and asking them questions about their environment. Once I have enough information, I make recommendations of our security products. Uh, and part of that recommendation includes meeting with the customer, uh, doing a, dev, a demo for the product in question. And sometimes, of course, we do a proof of value and then I help them with the deployment and assessing the, how the product is working in the environment. Now, before you took over on the security side of things, you were a... Uh, let's see, I got it right here, a network consulting engineer. So you spent a lot of time mapping people's networks and that seems like something that kind of falls under security, good documentation. So do you find that you use those same skills for the security side or is that a, a different world? Um, well, I don't directly log into uh, customer networks anymore. However, you know, I exercise that muscle every day. Um, my peers and, and, and teammates, we often are deploying the solutions, testing them, testing new features and making that we understand all the challenges that our customers are facing. So as a result, we deploy uh, systems in, in our personal labs as well as Cisco labs. That's cool, man. I, I used to be a huge, like I wanted to be a router jockey pretty badly. And then mm. I started moving in a different direction because that's really hard. So it's a cool skill set. But that being said, Cisco, they do have a lot of equipment, right? There's so much mm -hmm. equipment available from yeah. Cisco. Is that where you find yourself in or are you still are you now moved into a more security centric focused uh, piece of equipment? Is it it's like the ASAs or are you everything? So I, I concentrate on the security portion of our portfolio. So I cover all the security products. Um, 
my uh, segment is Select West, which I work primarily with uh, schools and uh, counties and, and such. So as a result, I see more some products than maybe some of my peers do. I primarily work with uh, Umbrella and for endpoints, uh, Cisco, Firepower Threat Defense, and of course, SecureX. So uh, that is very helpful, of course, because many of us concentrate on, on different technologies. So while we know the whole portfolio, we tend to you know circle and work more with, with the technologies that we're most familiar with and that our customers most often use. That makes sense. So Cisco Live is coming up, I think, the end of this this month, and I imagine it's going to be a little bit different uh, than in past years. So <laughs> are you are you involved in that at all? Are you are you uh, participating in that? And what's that going to look like? So so I'm not involved with a Cisco Live. However, as we know, COVID changed everything, right? It changed the way that we work, the way that we interact with one another, and Cisco Live is no exception. However, we're still going to have it's going to be essentially a uh, global digital event. And we're gonna have the same great content. For example, you're gonna see the keynotes, the technical education, the innovation skills, demos galore, celebrity guests. I mean, you name it, it's gonna be there. I think we're gonna have every something for everyone in the crowd. Just less parties and things, <laughs> I assume. <laughs> and you know what? Funny you mentioned that because I joined Cisco in 2018. So I've never got to experience a Cisco uh -huh. Live. The Catalina you know, so, <laughs> so I wanna be uh, transparent with that. I, the first year was just learning. Second year, I would have had the opportunity, which was 2020, to to attend, and then COVID hit, so I didn't have the chance to. So you know, when he was talking about it, have you guys seen the Star Wars holiday special? Mm -hmm. The, the, uh, the I've original seen bits one. of it. Yeah, it made me think of that. You know, like celebrity guests, a singing number. <laughs> you got it. You got it all. Nightmare uh, fuel. <laughs> I have a feeling Cisco Live this year will be better than the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, it's a low bar. <laughs> it's a very low bar. George does not like that. That is out in the no, world. No, he does not. <laughs> So, Ferdinand, I saw that you recently won an award from the Cisco Innovation Challenge. Can you tell me about that project a little bit? Sure. You know, that, that was um, when I started Cisco, I went into the wireless team. And, of course, uh, one of the things that I noticed immediately is how heavy the gear was, right? And typically, maybe that's not too much of an issue unless you're going up and down five flights of stairs, you know, all day long. So one of the things that I wanted to do is like there has to be a better way to do that. And I'm a very curious person. I love, you know, diving into, you know, problems and finding solutions. So one of the things I did, I talked to the manager at the time, Don, and, and I asked him, hey, would you mind if we take a stab at, at maybe getting a better system, a better setup? So I started doing a lot of research and long story short is after all of the research, I came up with a prototype of something that would work well for us. It was much lighter, but in addition to that, it added some added, added benefits, uh, presented it to the manager uh, at the time, Don, and then uh, presented it to the team. They loved it, submitted it to the Innovation Council, and they, uh, we uh, basically received an award so that we could invest in, that, in those uh, products. Oh, that's very cool. And basically, the first step was just let's stop making it out of lead. <laughs> <laughs> Tungsten well, carbide's lead, the way it, to go. And literally, lead acid batteries will do that. Yeah, they're heavy. Oh, yes, yeah, that'll do it every time. Well, uh, normally we kind of talk about your your history and your background in in those rapid fire questions, and and you know this time we we didn't because we wanted to devote the next segment to that where we learn a little bit about your origin story. All right, all right. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is a pretty hardcore origin story. <laughs> and you you have a pretty hardcore origin story as well. So uh, there, there's actually a blog post about it on the Cisco blog called A Veteran Finds His Way to Cisco. Uh, that was back in uh, February 18th of 2021 on blogs.cisco.com. But why don't you kind of uh, walk us through that backstory a little bit and, and tell us how you got uh, from, from where you were to now here at Cisco. So sure. So my career is not typical to say the least, right? Uh, before joining Cisco, I was disabled for 20 years. And, you know, during that time, you know, I, I've always had a passion for computers. I was always deploying uh, solutions in my lab. I, you know, I, as a matter of fact, I think my wife bought me my first computer. You guys may be familiar with it, the i386 with a turbo button, 20 to 40 hertz, if I remember <laughs> correctly. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I was always learning more about technology. I was, uh, at the time, Merck was the big thing. Of course, if you had Windows and you didn't have a proxy, you know, you will get that nice blue screen of death with a teardrop attack, but that's another story. Uh, ultimately, uh, during those 20 years, I wanted to get back to work and I wanted to get back in the workforce. 
I went to college back in 2012, graduated in 17, and uh, gaining uh, employment was a lot more difficult than I expected. I mean, imagine, and I don't blame companies and what have you. Here I am handing over uh, a resume. I am 40-something, in the late 40s, let's say, and the resume was barren. So that didn't inspire confidence. Uh, so during that time, I grew a little bit frustrated with the process. I ended up uh, joining LinkedIn, and I started doing some research and helping fellow veterans to, you know, to find companies that offer training opportunities that could lead to a position in a company. And that's how I came across the Cisco VTIP uh, program, which is the Veteran Talent Incubation Program. And essentially, uh, the program, you had to apply. It was, it was a process. You had to submit a video and what have you. And if you were accepted to the program, then you went into a mentorship for six months. They provided mentorship. They provided the, the education program and the materials, uh, on-site visits so that you could do shadowing. And you had to meet some criteria. In my case, in my cohort, we had to uh, achieve a CCNA within that period of time, which, by the way, uh, I like to say ITPro.TV helped me tremendously, tremendously in that arena. So I uh, thank you for that. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, I ended up passing all the requirements. Cisco extended a job offer to me, and here I am today. And since then, uh, very thankful for the opportunity that Cisco gave me. Uh, I don't think that I would be where I'm at today if it was not for programs such as the one that Cisco provides for veterans. And not only veterans, by the way, we offer a similar vet, uh, program for those people that are technically inclined, but they don't have, uh, let's say, not, not the education, but they can't join Cisco through other means or, or you know, what have you. Okay, so, so how big of a program is this? Like, how many veterans are going through this at a given time? So I, I would say, and, and this, I imagine it changes, but I can speak to my cohort. So typically when I joined, we did it twice a year, and uh, the attrition rate is really high. I think that we had about 60-some candidates that, that uh, joined the program. And in the end, I think maybe 25 of us ended up completing the, the program. So I would say, what, 25 to whatever amount of people, you know, anywhere from 25 to, to 60 every, every twice a year. Now, I imagine at a company as, as large as Cisco's, you know, people might come in and find very different career paths. So what, what was the, the process when you first came in to say, hey, here's what I'm interested in. Here's, uh, so, okay, so here's the mentor we're going to assign you and, and the path we're going to send you down. Okay, so the way that we did that, of course, the, the assignment on the different roles is based on business needs, right? But when we go into the training portion of things, we achieve the CCNA. Then at the end of the, uh, the five or six months period, more or less, when they offer an ex, uh, make you a job offer, then they t they'll tell you you can either go advanced services at the time, which now uh, is CX, or you can go the TAC route, for example, and then from there, once you get hired and you go to through the two months of uh, the education and, and soft skills, this, that, the other, then you start leaning towards one direction, which way you want to go. Do you want to go firewalls? Do you want to go uh, servers? In my case, I went for the wireless uh, team. That's what uh, I was very familiar with. From the wireless team, I ended up uh, migrating into the mobility team. Technology, a bit, a bit different, but, um, but uh, to, in some degrees uh, similar, right? So one of the nice things about Cisco, of course, and for me, is that they give you the leeway to do what you want to do. In other words, if you want to innovate, which I enjoy doing, okay, Fernanda, you can do whatever you want. I go to my manager, listen, I want to work on this. Uh, what do you think? There's not going to be anyone there telling you, no, you can't do that. So I love that about Cisco. You know, I, I've always thought that uh, just IT as a profession in general is great for really everybody, but especially for people that have accessibility concerns because, you know, technology infrastructure typically is better set up for that. Uh, Cisco, in, I would think, is is a little more unique in that it's even better. The majority of the products are able to be configured via a console or a terminal. So uh, would you say, like, in terms of accessibility, that's been a really positive aspect, or is that still a challenge for people going through the program? Tremendously positive access. Um, I mean, you can do everything remotely. I, I work remote all the time, and now I am on pre-sales, and it is virtual. But even then, there's nothing I can't do from here that I couldn't do at the office or at the lab or at the data center. You know, we see a lot of the, you're talking about your mentorship, and I see a lot of that in the security space, people looking for mentors and mentor programs. And it really seems to be if you do find yourself 
as a mentee for someone or you get a good mentor, it's a real leg up and advantage uh, in the learning uh, portion of it. How, how do you find that your uh, mentorship program, was it that much of an advantage for you? Do you think that it was like without that, that would have been much more difficult road to hoe? I, I think so. It, it would have been so much more difficult. I, my, my mentor at the time, Joe Maroney, I mean, he was always there. He willing to take my calls, walk me through different difficult uh, concepts and what have you. So I think without that, it would have been uh, next to impossible to complete the program. And the pro the program was, re re you know, very, very rigorous. It was demanding. But at the end of the day, you know, completing the program meant so much to me. I would say that it meant as much as when I obtained my degree. And that was, again, after 20 years of being uh, disabled without having a traditional job or anything like that. That's amazing. So that that's called the... Uh the VTIP, the Veteran Talent Incubation Program, and you said the other one was called CTIP. Uh, so we have the CTIP is the which is the uh, I'm trying to think what CTIP stands for, and I apologize, I'm blanking out. But it, we got the C the CTIP program, and as part of the CTIP program, we have the VTIP, which is for the veterans, and then we have what's called the XTIP, which is for anyone that would not be able to join Cisco. For example, like if you graduate from college, you can apply for Cisco traditional way, and you can get a job. But if you don't have that college degree, but yet you have an aptitude for technology, you can apply to the XTIP program. And if you get accepted into the program, there's a possibility that at the end of the five months, you may be extended a job offer. And it's not guaranteed, but they do uh, they do their best there to to give everyone a fair opportunity and a fair shot, like they did me. And I think we can certainly excuse you not knowing the acronym. Working for Cisco, you probably deal with more acronyms than the military. Yeah. <laughs> We do, we do. That that's for sure. I, uh, when I transitioned into the new role, that was probably the hardest part, just getting used to all the different acronyms. Yeah. Well, it looks like CTIP is uh, Cisco Talent Incubation Program, where VTIP is specific um, for, for for veterans as well. So, if somebody wants to find out more about that program, is there are there resources on the Cisco website then? So we do have a, a, a page on the Cisco website, and additionally, we do post uh, information every. Uh, I don't know, in LinkedIn, we circulate the flyers with all the dates uh, and what have you. Like currently, I do have uh, the next uh, cohort is going to be starting in July 5th. So I believe that we will start recruiting, uh, I believe it's next month or the following. So just keep an eye out for the, for the flyers and then make sure that you apply and, and follow the process. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure uh, we probably have some people that are interested that are listening because I know a lot of veterans, uh, you know, subscribe to ITPR TV as well. So uh, I want to not only thank you for uh, joining us today, but thank you for your service as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure uh, being here. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, it's fantastic hearing from you. And uh, stay tuned, guys. We've got a lot more TechNATO, as Don said, crazy news cycle. So we're going to take a look at that coming up after this quick break on TechNATO with Don Fazette. I'm James Packer. I'm the general manager of Kirk ISS based in the Cayman Islands. I used IT Pro TV extensively in my last place. It grew very well, helped upskill the team. I had 110 engineers in the field and we had dozens of IT Pro accounts with the guys training. And last year alone, they passed over 40 certs by using the online training. I think I can safely say um, without IT Pro TV, I wouldn't be where I was today because I only got this job on the back of the qualifications I have. All right, welcome back to TechNATO with Don Pizzette. Thank you so much to Ferdinand Soto for uh, joining us and telling us all about those cool programs from Cisco and his journey, uh, which is very inspiring. Yes. And I feel like that's like the last, like, you know, warm thing that we'll talk about today. <laughs> now we get to the news. Which <laughs> Here comes the dumpster fire yeah. that is tech news. <laughs> Here's all the stupid crap that happened this week <laughs> on the Internet. Uh, and our first article comes to us from bleepingcomputer.com. Windows Terminal now comes with Windows 10. That's a good thing, which is a weird thing that they have to put in the headline. <laughs> yeah. the, the headline should be the other way around. Windows 10 now comes with the Windows oh, Terminal. So, we, you know, we, we've talked about the Windows Terminal a few times, this new terminal that Microsoft has been working on that has uh, embedded tab support. It has support for WSL as well as PowerShell and Command Prompt. So you can open all these things in the same little program. It's pretty neat, uh, but up until now, you had to be in the insider ring or in one of Microsoft's beta releases to run it. Well, now it's finally going to prime time, so you'll actually be able to get it. Uh, it is going to be packaged with Windows 10. Uh, let's see, what is the build number? Any build after 21337. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, which, you know, 1337 is the old leet. I was going to yeah. say, that looks yeah. familiar. Yeah. I wonder if they did that on purpose. That's uh, worth a guess. Too leet. 
Uh, <laughs> too late or not too late. Yeah. So, uh, so anyhow, it is coming out. So if you've been wanting to try it but have been hesitant to be in the insider ring, I don't blame you because the insider ring totally sucks. But <laughs> you just can. ask Adam. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it causes problems. But the, uh, the, the terminal will now be available for regular use in the Microsoft Store. How many weeks until we're talking about how they're rolling back because this broke everything? Oh. I think most people don't Hours. use the terminal, so it won't impact people. So but here's my question: So with WSL, right? I'm looking at the picture. You got some drop mm-hmm. down for Ubuntu, OpenSUSE, and Debian, and whatnot. I, I had to run out and get Kali, right? Because that's that's my thing. Sure, what I do. It has nothing on it. It's just Linux. So, like, you have the Kali repositories, obviously. So if you want to install things or whatever, it'll it'll reach out. But I got to go out and do all the heavy lifting. Are you running WSL one or WSL two? Hell if I. All right. So, <laughs> do you have Hyper-V installed? No. Okay. So you're running WSL1. And the problem with WSL1 is it's not running a full-blown Linux kernel. It's Ooh. actually just tapping into the Windows APIs, which breaks a huge swath of security tools that require things like promiscuous mode on network adapters and all that. And so that's why the tools aren't there. But Ooh. in WSL2, it runs in a virtual machine in Hyper-V hidden behind the scenes. And so you have access to the tools, and I believe they are installed by default, but you still don't have a GUI. And that's what people are expecting. And supposedly, allegedly, uh, I didn't expect that's that. coming soon. That's not me. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, if you just want uh, Metasploit. Like yeah, or, I went to SQL Map something or whatever, and it was like, that's not installed. I'm like, the hell it is. Yeah, you should, <laughs> I haven't run it recently, but you should check out the WSL2 distribution. The, the problem that I run into, like on my laptop, I want to run VMware Workstation. Right, that's what I do. Can't run that with yeah. Hyper-V. Right, so. that's why. And plus, I'm not a Hyper-V fan. Yeah. So you just pick up Catalina VM anyway. Yeah, that's what I did. But I was just thought, yeah. it was weird to me. I didn't expect that. Perf- I expected to get now, some tools built into the damn thing. Neat thing you can do inside of Windows Terminal, though, is you can create a, a defined session where when you open a tab, it basically just SSHs right into your VM. Oh, that's cool. And then it's right there in the tab. So you can do stuff like that. Windows Terminal is pretty yeah. powerful. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Mac. Uh, all right. Doesn't help you. I'm so no. sorry. Doesn't help me. Doesn't hurt me. Not affected at all. Didn't know most of the words you were saying there, but that's okay. Our next <laughs> article is from ArsTechnica.com. Uh, Victoria University of Wellington accidentally nukes files on all desktop PCs. That's uh, that's Bad. not ideal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because when we say nukes files, I mean, it sounds like that makes They're me think gone. there's no backup. Yeah. There's so yeah. Have you seen Aliens? Uh, Remember yeah. their final solution? That was this. Take <laughs> off. Yeah. Take the site from orbit. Yeah. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> yeah, so, how does something like that happen? Like, there's got to be like a little a prompt that says, are you sure you want to do this? Well, so this is one of those uh, no good deed goes unpunished type things. Uh, it, it turns out to be a, a small little error, which I thought it was funny. They did the Michael Bolton quote from yeah. uh, Office Space. Uh, but anyhow... It, they had a plan. So in universities, you have a lot of shared computers, especially lab computers, even employee computers, where there's maybe not necessarily one TA that uses a computer, but they all have separate logins. Well, each login creates a profile. And when a student graduates or leaves the university, their profile stays behind, occupying space on the hard drive. And so at the university, they decided that they were going to delete old profiles. They were going to wipe out the profiles that were no longer active users. And so through Active Directory Group Policy or whatever, they had written a script or a routine to be able to handle this and go and wipe it out. Well, unfortunately, they must have missed a decimal point or something because what ended up happening is it wiped out all user profiles on the local machines. So the next time a user logged in, it was an all new profile. Welcome to Windows. Let's set up Internet Explorer for you and all, or Microsoft Edge, and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, uh, people lost their files. And there is no recycle bin for when your profile gets wiped away. Your personal profile, it doesn't store that information. So it's, it's just gone and you no longer have access to it. When you log back in, your new profile is built. And only files that you synchronized up to either network storage or to cloud, you know, like OneDrive or whatever, those would be fine. Those would come back. They'd be right there. But files that were just in your local profile would be gone. And that's what happened. They don't back up their workstations and laptops. And so the files are gone. Several PhD students are apparently upset that they lost a year's worth of data. Yeah, dissertations. Uh Now, as an IT guy, though, I don't feel a lot of sympathy for them. But it depends on whether or not the IT department did a good job of voicing their their, uh, policies, right? right? Uh, You guys have heard me here at the office say this. like We do not back up laptops and desktops here. We have network storage, we have OneDrive, we have all these different places your data can go. 
not just on your machine. And if there's a machine that's failing, we just replace it. And that's that, right? Mm -hmm. you know, we swap it out. And that way you're not waiting on us to try and repair some system. Uh, so in this case, you have people that were storing data locally. If, if they weren't warned, then yeah, I, I do feel bad for them. But uh, I think we're kind of past the point of people relying on local storage. Who hasn't deleted a few, you know, terabytes of user <laughs> files? I mean, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Happens. Everybody's done that, right? What are the chances of this is just a uh, marketing stunt by Microsoft to push OneDrive? <laughs> yeah. I guess That'd that's possible, but uh, I'd pick somebody a little more well-known than Victoria University of Wellington in New Zealand. It was a test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how well it was going to work. If, if it's there too was well-known, Enough would... outrage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I think that the big story here was I went down to the – I always love going to the user comments because they get fun. And down there, they reminded me of something I used to read all the time, which was the B-O-H, right, F-H, B-O-F-H, the bastard operator from hell. Don, do you do you remember this? I remember the name, but I don't. Right? Yeah. And they were like, "This is story one from the bastard operator from hell," and it is exactly that is the user calls up and says, "Hey, stupid! I don't have enough storage space." They go, "Stupid, really? Oh, okay. Well, I'll give you some storage space." And they delete all of that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, there we I go. I was like, oh, "I forgot that was even a thing." So now I'm going to have to go back and read all those. The but, ancient days of the internet. Yeah. The best part about this article, too, in addition to the Michael Bolton quote, uh, is the the image that they've used in the article is a, is a Photoshopped image of a bunch of uh, burning sheep. <laughs> and, burning and underneath, sheep. the caption just says, uh, Victoria University of Wellington is in New Zealand. We offer no further defense of this image. I thought they were just ginger sheep. <laughs> no, I think those are the students. Those are the students uh, of the University gotcha, of Wellington. Gotcha. They're all. So what, what is the, every sheep has a 5126B written on it. That's a GB. Gigabytes. gigabytes. 512 gigabytes. Those are sheeps, data sheeps, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I thought it was a 6B. It didn't make any sense to me. But uh, yeah. I, I believe that defense. New Zealand has more sheep than people or something like that, and so that's what yeah. this is in, in reference to. It's a majestic to. animal. It's All a, right. Lovely. should be proud. Makes a great, <laughs> great <laughs> coat. A great it's very stew. soft. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the meat or the coat? Oh, Both. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those uh, euros, man, those things are amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, they use euros in Europe. Oh, yeah. Euros. No, oh, that's a whole euros, thing. Yeah. Euros. Euros. All right. How many euros does it cost for a euro? Oh, jeez. Yeah, don't get into that. Conversion rates. Greece is bankrupt, aren't they? What kind of weird conversation <laughs> are we having? <laughs> you might have deviated from the tech news a little bit. And that is our kebab segment. Kebab and conversion. I'm conversions. joking over here. For the week. All right, our next article comes from techradar.com. Three billion spoofed emails are being sent every day. Uh, email is still the most popular platform for malware distribution. We've finally claims. done it. <laughs> we hit the three billion. Well, it's like the McDonald's uh, sign. Billions yeah. and billions served. I was thinking more day. like, you know, the YouTube uh, influencers always have like, help me get to three million. You know, hey, we did it. <laughs> you have know, a party. I, I get emails like this all the time. You guys do too, where mm -hmm. it, it either says it's from you or from another person in your company, but it's coming from outside, right, into your system. Most mail servers are smart enough to know that they shouldn't be receiving mail from themselves from outside, and so it gets rejected. But even with SPF records and DMARCs and DKIM and all the various other email protections, these are still going around. And the reason is they're effective. So they, uh, they did a quick survey, and they found that basically uh, – while there are a ton of servers that have protections in place like DMARC, only 14% of them are actually enforcing the policy. Most of them just use it to rank it as spam or not. And so the email still comes in. Those emails are oftentimes malware or phishing campaigns or just... Uh, you know, trying to sell Viagra or whatever it is that they're trying to do. Uh, Got to make a living, right? I don't know if that's the thing they still sell now. It's probably Oxy or something. I wonder if it's gone up since covid because now people just, you know, sitting if they got I, was, Viagra, I was working on a yeah. gone up joke there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, get an extra email for yeah. a period of about four hours. And then after that, you have to see your doctor. Yeah, <laughs> virtually. Because <laughs> you can't go to the doctor. So uh, anyhow, three billion emails every single day, I think is a pretty good indicator that our email system is broken. Yeah, yeah. Three billion. And plus, like, the amount of how much of that is... Malware, right? Yeah. And that malware, that is still a vector. It just goes to show you that, well, A, we've got a, an email system that's broken, and people are still getting nailed with malware, so it's the end-user security programs need to be either more reinforced or yeah. you know done, done better. 
So, you know, back in the 1970s, none of this stuff existed. And so when somebody decided, hey, I'm going to build an email system, they could do that. They could build it however they wanted because there was no email system. But today, if somebody were to come forth and say, and, and this has happened, they come forth yeah. and say, hey, I've written a new email protocol. This one's fully validated. You can't send an email unless you've uh, authenticated and so on. This is more reliable. It takes care of the whole problem. Well, 20 other people say, no, ours is better, and we don't want to try a new protocol, and it all breaks down, and we don't get it. So they've known how to fix this problem for decades, and it just gets worse and worse each year. And I, I kind of blame this uh, as, as why we're seeing social media ramp up, because like when you go on your Facebook feed, yeah, you get ads from Facebook, but you don't see as much spam or Twitter, same kind of thing. There's junk on there, but you can kind of be insulated from it, versus email, where it's just this onslaught it, what's, yeah, what's the fix don what do we do how do we, how do we make them go hey we have a security protection this is we easy. should probably be using that this is easy so, you just go all university of wellington on uh, it yeah there you, you go. could do that burn it to the ground <laughs> um, so sadly the, the easiest solution is authenticated access on the internet remove anonymity so if you prevent anonymous access to the internet these problems all go away Right. And, and even some of the really nasty stuff that's going on on 4chan, that all goes away, too. When you take away people's ability to be anonymous, but mm -hmm. that's you know in conflict with right, right to privacy and uh, and all the various other things. People forget that they don't own the Internet, though. It's a great and idea. He doesn't extend to that. Yeah. Great idea, comrade Don. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we should just make hit squads out there doing OSINT and finding the a-holes of the Internet. Well, yeah, that is going on, but there's so many a-holes, yeah, right? Man. It's like <laughs> three billion. The Internet is like nothing. It's like 95% a-holes. And there's new ones being born. Like somebody turns 13 every year, yeah. right? And they're like, man, I get to bypass this now. Yeah. I'm going to call people Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't there some law about that? Like some internet law that says yeah, every argument. Yeah, it's like rule yeah. something. I don't know what it's called. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I have a feeling most of those kids are saying they're 13 too by, by the time they're seven. So <laughs> they're, they're out there already. But Man, uh, they got a foul mouth on them for being seven years old. They do. Those horrible children. <laughs> All right, our next article is from ThreadPost.com. Security researcher hides zip and MP3 files inside PNG files on Twitter. And so my, my question for this one, Don, because I read through this and I, I wasn't sure, if th is this more of a way to uh, secretly send things to someone or is this more of a way to hack them because the way you got to do it here is go and change the extension to zip. Yeah, so the, the short answer is both. It actually works both ways. Now, okay. when I first saw this, I kind of discounted... Actually, I didn't read this article uh, because uh, I looked at it and assumed it was one thing, but then Daniel submitted it, so I did read it, and I was like, oh, shoot, I'm glad uh, <laughs> glad Daniel submitted this one. Uh, we've had steganography for a while. You've been able to hide data inside of pictures, and it hasn't been a big deal. There's a ton of tools out there, like S-Tools, that'll do it, uh, where you can take text or a document encrypt it and embed it in an image and somebody on the other end gets the image they then run that same software package provide a decryption key and they get the data out it's been kind of an involved process people have been able to smuggle data that way for decades what's different here is that they don't need special tools for it that they can post a png image file on twitter Somebody else can download it, and all they have to do is rename the extension. And it's not only a fully functional PNG, but it's also a fully functional zip archive or an MP3, or they, they, they've done a few different ones. Yeah, they so, rickrolled people was the actual yeah. MP3 yeah. that they yeah. did. Yeah. So. That's great. So it's a, it's a really ingenious kind of thing that they were able to craft a file that passed Twitter's uh, checks to be able to see if it has to be yeah. re-encoded, uh, but it is able to carry this extra payload to it, which is neat. Now... One, that can easily be used by people to hide data, right? It just looks like a PNG. I can download it. It looks like a PNG. No big deal, right? But attackers can actually use this to transmit malware as well. If I'm watching a network and I see a machine reach out to a, a command and control server and download an EXE file, like that's something a network engineer can see that we can spot. That's malicious behavior. We can stop it. But if I see a workstation go to Twitter and download an image, that's something they do all the time. It blends right in, and the malware could download this image and then just rename it. Now it's the payload. So it allows people to bring payload into networks in a way that would be very difficult to spot. So that's the real tricky thing here. That makes yeah. sense. And what, what was interesting here to me is that 
you know, all the, the things that they had to stay within in, in the files, because if it's bigger than this, it gets converted to a JPEG. If it, you know, all the, all the different things about how uh, Twitter treats those. So they, they gave all those specs that you can use to try this out. Oh, yeah, it was pretty in-depth uh, analysis of how this works. It was uh, really neat. It made me think of it was uh, maybe a couple of years ago, the APT Fancy Bear, they were going after, I want to say Netgear routers, home routers, and the a malware that was getting installed on those routers was reaching out to like Photobucket or something and grabbing a photo file. But it was EXIF information, which is what they were pulling out from. But that's what I started to think of when I saw this. I was like, oh, this is even better because now, I, like you said, I can hide files out there in Twitter. Thank you, Twitter, for giving me free storage. <laughs> Appreciate that. Or I can use my command and control. I can put information in there that all I have to do is reach out and grab it. It doesn't look like weird um, or stuff that I probably wouldn't want coming back from Twitter, like EXEs. It can just be an image file, extract the information that it needs, get the commands that it requires, and then run whatever commands I need. And even better, if the zombie machines you've compromised click like, subscribe, or follow, <laughs> yeah. you can become you're a social good. media influencer. Yeah, you're nailing it. Tom did that, right? With, not Tom. There was a guy that did that in MySpace. He figured out a um, cross-site scripting exploit. Oh, I do remember and that. And made yeah. everybody his friend. Yep. Very popular. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Good good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, so is there a way, though, that, like, let's say uh, someone was doing this maliciously and it was a cool picture and everyone downloaded it to have it automatically then change its its uh, extension? Or No. Like, an end user could do it. They could rename yeah. it and then run it, but that's, like, willingly being stupid. So <laughs> it would really need like to be some, pods. <laughs> some other payload that's in there. But, you know, the other payload could be operating in user space. It wouldn't need to be in kernel space to download right. a file and rename it. So uh, it'd be pretty easy to pull off a compromise with that. Well, the, the, I mean, the joke about the stupid people, I mean, yeah. there's certainly enough to say that you could say, oh, check out how cool this image looks if you change the name of it to .zip and see how many... You know, well, if you had some sort of like stager software that wasn't doing anything malicious except looking for this file, it probably wouldn't get picked up by antivirus mm -hmm. or anything. So, because it's just a program going basically doing a find. Hey, does this file exist? Does this file exist? Nope, 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 nope. And if it does one day, like if it somehow gets propagated, it, right? Yeah. Now I can change the thing. I can run my uh, my second stage, grab my payload, and go to town. Now we got a bot or a zombie. Interesting. Yep. All right, so I ruined Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's what way did. to go. <laughs> yeah, that did it. Yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> Finally, a photo that broke the internet. It wasn't Kim Kardashian. It was PNG. <laughs> All right, our next article is from ZDNet.com. Acer reportedly targeted with fifty million dollar ransomware attack. The uh, what's it? Revil? R Evil? R Evil ransom gang over the weekend? I think it's just Revil. Revil. Yeah. Revil. Uh, they published various uh, Acer documents, such as financial spreadsheets, bank balances, and bank communications. So they're proving, basically, yeah, we really do have this data. But to, to me, I always thought these things were priced in such a way that we actually want you to pay. Like, th this seems to price them out of, like, we, no one can pay that, right? Well, I mean, so there's a few things. First off, we don't know how big the attack really is. Like, all this really confirms is that at least one computer in their finance department got this malware installed on it. It does show that if your computer gets locked with ransomware, it's not just encrypting your files. Here it is actually exfiltrating files once mm -hmm. the, the machine is compromised. So that shows that this is a little more than just simple malware. And it probably exfiltrated the files before it displayed a lock screen. So uh, that means that, you know, they wouldn't have really had notice for it. So what's, what's the big identifier here what makes this a little bit unique is simply the amount this is the most expensive ransom that we've seen out of all of the instances that have happened uh this one's 50 million dollars and that's if they pay the ransom by the end of the week otherwise it doubles to 100 million dollars uh the currency they wanted payment in was one that i didn't recognize it was like xte or something weird did you see it daniel no i didn't see that uh yeah it was a weird currency uh you know just another they Bitcoin want an NFT type file. thing yeah. just, everybody's got their own like cryptocurrency nowadays right yeah yeah when, when are we coming out with ours by the way but, uh, there must be some value <laughs> yeah. in it right look, look at the marketer salivating yeah <laughs> So, uh, Techne dollars. No, Techne uh, dollars that, that works. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're workshopping. Yeah, it. Right. You're spitballing. So, uh, so $50 million that's a lot, right? Now, you, you might look at it and say, who, who could possibly afford that? But what, what is Acer worth, right? So, what do we know what Acer's valuation is? It's probably a few billion dollars, right? Oh, They've been around a maybe. while. Maybe. Well, they, their computers aren't that great, though, right? No, um, but they sell a crap ton of them. Let's see. Because valuation. they're cheap. 
We'll see if Google knows what their valuation is. Uh, oh, man, was it Taiwan dollars? I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't convert that. So uh, so their, their stock's at $30 a share. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's super um, helpful. According to Wikipedia, in 2019, their net income was $2.5 billion. So if $2.5 billion of their net income, $50 million is not really that that crazy. Uh, Unless you're a hacker that got them crypto locked and thinking, I'm yeah. going to get $50 million. Now, if, if I were Acer, though, if I were a hospital... I would I would not want the patient data to get out there, right? The, right? the patients are affected. If you're Acer, they don't really make top of the line anything. So if their their designs for a laptop get out, that's not really a big deal. Their financial data, well, they're a publicly traded company. That's all public anyway. So yeah, they got to change some account numbers. I I don't really see an upside for Acer paying the ransom on mm. this one. So I don't think they will. But just imagine if it were a hospital, if it were a, a a jail or a prison or somebody that had records of a sensitive nature that they didn't want to get out. I bet there's companies paying these ransoms. It's seven-year-olds pretending to be 13-year-olds doing dick stuff on the internet. Yeah. And this 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 group, this Revil group, they have done other attacks like this. Uh, the last one was $30 million against... Uh, Ooh. Uh, a company I hadn't heard of, but uh, you know, did that? they get that money? Uh, I don't know. And see, that's the other thing is it's hard to tell, right? right. No company is going to say, "Hey, we paid the ransom," but plenty of companies do, especially when they have some of that, like the fake cyber insurance. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you've read about any of those. The companies oh, that say, like, cyber insurance? "Yeah, they're like we'll recover your data," and they're just turning around and paying the ransom on the back end. Nice. <laughs> they come nice. in and say, "Oh, we recovered your data." Uh, there have been at least two instances of that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, is it, uh, is it like a settlement? Do they say, okay, listen here, hackers, <laughs> we don't have $35 million, but what if I gave you a penny on a dollar? Yeah. <laughs> you negotiate like those yeah. IRS tax commercials. Right, that's what do I'm you owe of. money to the IRS? Yeah. Or do you, do you have that? <laughs> are, are, uh, creditors hassling you yep. <laughs> settle for pennies on the dollar? Maybe your data on the dark web <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, oh, dang it! Yeah, you tell the hackers, "Jokes on you! My data was compromised yesterday. <laughs> it's already encrypted in something I can't decrypt." Yeah, they're uploading it to the dark web. Do you want to overwrite the existing files? No. Yeah. Oh wait, it's already here. <laughs> it's our, we already got these. Guys. It's uh, that person's data dash one. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Final, final, yeah, final. Oh, here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, we'll we'll check back on this one and see. Maybe we'll get some more information in the future and find out if they did in fact pay or got the files back online or there's no more Acer computers. One, one of the yeah. three. No, there's one no of three. three. <laughs> yeah. Man, there's gonna be a fire sale on Acer. <laughs> we'll <find out>. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they come pre-installed now with yeah. that malware. <laughs> so that's fantastic. All right, our next uh, article is actually from my favorite segment, Behind Bars. Break the law and you'll go to jail. All right. This one is from APNews.com. Russian man, what? Hold on, Russian man? Yeah, Russian man. Florida man, what? Yeah, Florida man, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Russian man pleads guilty in Nevada p- uh, to to plot to extort Tesla. To plot to... To plot Boy, to. Peter is worth every yeah. dollar no, we pay for It does say him. that, to Russian plot to extort <laughs> Tesla. Pleads guilty in Nevada to plot to extort Tesla. You would think it would be Nevada plot to extort, but... I Russian guess. man pleads guilty in Nevada. It should say in, in plot... plot. To extort Tesla. Yeah, take that AP style. Uh, so this <laughs> he was going to ex- extort Tulsa, but they were just too big. <laughs> no, he just wrote it wrong. He's yeah. like, oh man, that's the wrong <laughs> son thing. of a. Hey, well, this, this they've got some stuff too, so yeah. let's get that. Uh, so this is not what we talked about last week, where their uh, the cameras inside Tesla were hacked. No, this is a different. totally different yeah. thing. This is the we this talked is the story about we this, talked about we? Yeah. a while back about two years ago. looking yeah. to extort uh, Elon and and his folks. So. Um, how do you catch somebody like this? I didn't. So I thought the internet was. This was a little bit different, right? So, like in the Acer attack, that was likely somebody on a company machine downloading something they shouldn't or getting compromised, right? Kind of targeted or a remote attacker breaks in. In this case, it was far more physical. So, you had this uh, uh, Russian uh, national citizen. I don't know. We don't know Spy. if he's associated with the government <laughs> or not. Uh, but he physically came here to the United States, went to. The Disneyland, the, the city where the Tesla factory is, and was basically working on an employee there to pay them a bribe 
to install malware on an internal machine. So it turned it into an insider attack. They mm. were trying to bribe the person to do it. And the, uh, the person, thankfully for Elon and crew, reported it. Uh, and then worked with Tesla as well as the FBI to basically get this guy to incriminate himself fully, and then they arrested him. So that's why they they actually have him in prison here in the United States. It's not like a big extradition thing. The, the remote people never get in trouble. But this guy actually came here to do it. Uh, now, according to his testimony, he is pleading guilty. So he's got a plea deal. He's already been in prison a while. Um and according to him, he's actually done this with other organizations. So he has been targeting workers at various companies, paying them a bribe to install the malware. And honestly, most employees, at the high level, there's a lot of loyalty to the company that would never happen. But most of your low-level employees of these massive factories and organizations don't really have a ton of loyalty as far as like, hey, I could get a million bucks. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, I'll, All I'll put that USB key in. Yeah, plug in a thumb drive and I'm a millionaire. So which computer do I need? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> plug in this, and I can afford one of yeah. the cars that we make. It's funny though. Now they they pick this guy, and he's like, "You picked the wrong guy, you <laughs> son of a bitch." Well, <laughs> you know, I, I shouldn't say most employees don't have loyalty because yeah. I, I bet they do, right? Yeah. But I, I I imagine it's not that hard to find one person who's willing yeah, to they be got bribed. a gambling problem, or they're going through like hardships yeah. with finances. Yeah. I got enough loyalty to go to Elon and go, Elon, this guy offered me a million. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> I know you're swimming in some money. Yeah. You could easily you're throwing this. your money into space. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm Come right on. here. <laughs> Listen, you give me some of that Starlink ahead of the time, and I'm dude. I'll you put it. a car in space yeah. with a guy in it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can give me a couple bucks. Okay. Yeah, but it does show that uh, some of these criminal enterprises are really. Uh, you know, nothing's off the table. They're trying different things. If they can get in remote, great. But if not, they're looking for a physical foothold. Uh, so in this case, they do have the one gentleman. He is going to jail, so he has pled guilty. You keep saying uh, one gentleman. Can you just say his name, please? Uh, no. What is his name? I just want to say <laughs> Igor oh. Agorovich. Igorovich Khrushchev. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, now the there were two other people that were identified with code names, so these are likely people that are mm. still back in uh, Eastern Europe or Russia or somewhere. Uh, which they where did the code names go? They were just silly made up names. So you know maybe we'll see something happen there, but otherwise uh, this guy is going to take the uh, take the fall for it. Well, I hope he got a, a really good deal. From because pleading guilty means there's no appeals. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the end of it. So, unless um, you can show you were coerced in some way, uh, yeah, yeah, like offered a bribe to yeah. plead guilty. Yeah, for offering bribes. Mm, Listen, yeah. <laughs> you know how this game is played. But if I mean, if the, if your co-conspirators are on the other side of the world with no extradition, yeah, I mean, what's what's the the benefit to, to pleading a de- or giving a deal unless they say you know we'll just give. Well, you I mean, what kind for, of time? What kind of time is he getting? Did uh, it say? All five years. years. Five years, man. And a $250,000 fine. And it's computer crime, so he'll yeah. be out early. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, yeah. he's Russian, so he's but probably going to do well. At yeah. least he's getting some jail time, right? Yeah. Versus a lot of these criminals that get nothing, right? And just right. move on to well, their I mean, next attack. it's a white-collar crime, so. Yeah, so. He'll get in with one of the good gangs. It's not like he was out there, like, <laughs> you know, killing people. I'm trying to people. find those. Oh, here they are. Kisa and Pasha are the code Kisa names they've assigned to the two other people. Um, and apparently a person actually identified as mean? Sasha Skarabagatov. Baron nope, I screwed Cohen. up. <laughs> Skarabagatov. Ah, it's hard to say. Yeah. You know, it's just not our, you know, similar enough to our language. Right. And but the last names are really cool in Russia because they, they really all, are. you know, they, they're made up of components that mean things or have long family histories yeah. and stuff. We don't have that here. No, no we so, sure don't. It's just ah, well. Smith. What'd your dad do? Well, he built things with metal. Yeah, there you go, Smith. There you go, <laughs> Johnson. Yeah, uh, I'm John's son. Yeah, I'm John's son. <laughs> was uh, uh, was it Pulp Which Fiction John? or Reservoir Dogs? Or John, John, or Esmeralda Villalobos? That was Pulp Fiction. The, well, I don't remember that. Yeah, part. that was the girlfriend. And she's like, you know, my name means City of the Wolf or something, and she asked him what his name means, and he says, my name's Butch. I'm American. <laughs> Our names don't mean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, Nothing. Hey. hey. Uh, there's something big brewing. Ooh. Oh, you better get to it. Yeah, so I gotta, I gotta get to the bathroom. But uh, anyway, uh, nice. I knew I wanted to make sure I had those sounds to use yeah. again. Cue it up. But <laughs> sorry, on uh, April 22nd, we're gonna be doing a live event for the 200th 
uh, episode of Technado. So no way. Yeah, no, definitely. You, uh, this is the first you're hearing about that. I feel I feel like I should have told you about this, but it will be uh, that afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We will be recording uh, recording the show uh, f- to have it available for you guys to listen to. But it will also be live. And if you join us live, we're gonna have we're gonna have giveaways. We're gonna have announcements. Uh, we're gonna have some uh, some big big time guests. Ooh. Victim guess I'll release who that information is once we figure out who we can get. Bruce and Willis. <laughs> there. Esmeralda, somebody. Uh, Bruce Willis. <laughs> We're gonna get. So Esmeralda. Mark your calendar. <laughs> more information coming. Yeah. But wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of that and we'll provide uh, more details as we get closer to that. Uh, recreate Hudson Hawk scene by scene. Mm-hmm. And there will be punch and pie. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, punch and punch pie. pie. I was told there would be pie. Remember that South Park with the free hat? Nah, I don't they they wanted they wanted to free this guy named Hat from prison, <laughs> but everybody hat. thought that they were getting a free hat. Nice. Like I was, no? Okay. Anyway, uh, we've got a webinar coming up. Big big Spread. webinar uh, on this Thursday. This this today day, uh, the day that this podcast comes out, which is <laughs> Thursday, March twenty fifth. It is the top five CTFs to learn cybersecurity with Internet celebrity John Hammond and other Internet uh, B list celebrity Daniel <laughs> Lowry. <laughs> Oh, that guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that one's going to be good. We've got. Uh, can you can you give it give give us one of the five? Give one you of the one top, of the five one of the top uh, five CTFs. Well, we we played around with it the other day, and it was uh, you mentioned Pico CTF, and I had not done that, so I signed up for that, and I've been kind of fiddling around with it. Pretty good. Pretty Did you good. find the flag? I like it. I have found many flags. Many flags. There's more than one. There's flags galore. Why is it called the flag then? Because it's or is the, it flag the flag for each challenge. Nah, it's poorly named. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, head over to itpro.tv slash webinars. You can still register for this one if you're listening ahead of time, or you can uh, register to get a copy of it sent to you. Um, so that is all at itpro.tv slash webinars. And while you're on that internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. There you can get a coupon code for a 30% off uh, of your life, the lifetime of your itpro.tv personal membership. You can also request a team trial and see all the cool features available to teams at itpro.tv. That's all at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right. Uh, want to thank Ferdinand Soto for joining us and telling us all about Cisco and the cool programs they have and, and all the cool work he's doing. And thank you, gentlemen. And thank the, the law enforcement out in Reno for, for catching somebody. And, uh, yeah, that was good. You got anything? Any final thoughts? Cricket chirping. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Uh, where is that? <laughs> yeah. There it is. Crickets. I really should alphabetize this soundboard. It would make it because there's a lot to, like you made a joke earlier. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna find a rim shot. Where is rim shot? Where? Nope, that joke was fine. I'll just hit ago. buttons until something. Yeah, I'll just go. <laughs> there you go. There's rim shot. Oh, this just loops. It just forever. Perfect. Right, fair enough. Sounds good. Well, we'll see you guys next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.